On today's episode of Smarter Building Materials Marketing, we talk about one of the main motivators and value communicators for any building product out there. It's not something that we talk about typically on the show, but it's something that everybody is thinking about, and it's the price of your products. Pricing strategies is not something we've talked about to date, and we're super excited about this episode because we're tackling it head on. We've got a bunch of great insights on mistakes that manufacturers are making with their pricing strategies, as well as some examples of manufacturers that are doing it the right way. With that, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikolov. And today we're going to be talking about pricing strategies. You know, pricing is a really hot topic because it communicates a lot of different things to your audience. It can say, hey, we're really exclusive or we're out of touch or we just don't get it. Or it says, hey, we're a bottom feeder. You know, please just buy our product. It's not very high quality. And so pricing things effectively or correctly is a balancing act. And there's a lot of psychology behind it. And so we're really excited about the guest we have on today who's going to be talking about that. We are excited to have Carolina Albano. She is currently the commercial sales resource in LA for Fireclay Tile. We're going to talk a lot about how awesome they are just shortly, but she brings a ton of experience to the table, not just with Fireclay Tile, but with multiple other manufacturers she worked with. She's got a great perspective on sales, but Carolina, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Uh, so I started out um, in engineering. I went to engineering school and I started out in distribution and logistics for Motorola. But before that, I had a, a stint in, in a design firm manufacturer in Chicago and they made housewares. Uh, and I promise this is tied to design architecture. So I used to work with an industrial designer and I was the engineer. So I made sure the stuff that she designed super beautiful and cool would actually work. And when I would go to client meetings with her, she would get all of the glory and like nobody would look at the engineer at all. So that was like my first sort of foray into that. Then I went to distribution at Motorola, learned about Six Sigma and just got into that world. And then, then I started a family and the distribution center moved away. So I was able to stay home. I was home with my kids for six years. And then this opportunity to go back to work came up and I started at Nietzsche Half Fiber Cement and I started as a technical trainer. So I was training installers in our product. Um, I kind of developed a training program for them, then eventually developed training program for trainers at our dealer partners to train installers in their geographic areas. It was all pretty strategic. I learned so much. I was there for almost 12 years and I took on so many different jobs and so many different roles. And I was kind of witness to Nichiha's meteoric rise like in the marketplace, uh, dominating in fiber cement, commercial and residential. And then a couple of years ago, I left to kind of start a new division for a large interiors focused company. And they hired me for my expertise in exteriors. So I moved out to the West Coast and started that for them. It was a porcelain, porcelain exterior facade. And then when Fireclay called and just kind of told me their story, I just kind of like fell in love instantly. So that coupled with less travel, being home 
with the kids more and just working for a company and, and promoting a product that I really believe in. So you have a plethora of experience. You've been in the industry for a while. And I think it's, it's interesting to note that you've moved from engineering to sales. And I'd love to hear your perspective on that, if I can ask. We had this conversation years ago, if I can just bring it up, where you're like, yeah, I was in engineering, but I wanted to move over to the sales side of things. Actually, one of my former bosses once said, you know, you're a unicorn. Like you're actually an engineer that can talk to people. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a nice compliment. So I just enjoy people. I'm sort of like a 50-50 introvert extrovert. So I love talking to people. I love getting to know people. And actually at Nichiha, what my coworkers would take me with them, my salespeople would take me with them on sales calls to kind of help them close, right? So if they knew that performance of the product was was like the one objection, then they would come in to talk about all the technical things and all the performance they were going to get with our product versus a competitor, and that would help to win the project. So that's kind of how I started getting into it. And I liked it. I liked being out in the field. I didn't want to be in an office anymore. So yeah. And also I had a company on the side that a coworker and I started making popsicles, which is completely unrelated. So it was a side hustle, but we gave it a hundred percent for sure. And I learned more about sales. I learned marketing. I got an MBA doing that business for sure. And we got into Whole Foods. I, we got into small natural food stores. And so I learned how to prospect. I learned how to define my ideal client. I learned how to price product and how to promote it in the right places. This podcast went a very different direction, huh, Beth? I want to talk more about the popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I was asking about your prior experience in, in engineering is because you have a very unique vantage point, Carolina, that I think it's important to note is not only are you selling products as a salesperson, but you can also see the value proposition from an engineering standpoint, which I think makes it very unique. And I'm, I'm speaking for you right now, but I think that's really cool. And I'd be curious to know, like, did your perception of pricing strategies change as you started to make that shift into sales? The perception of pricing strategies like sort of clicked for me with the popsicles, believe it or not, because everything is really, yes, because that's where I learned. I truly learned the marketing aspect of your ideal customer and properly conveying value. The whole thing about pricing is you have to explain people what value you're bringing to them and who is them. It's your ideal client. Who are you making this product for? And you get to decide that as a manufacturer, as a business owner, you get to decide who you want to serve. Once you know who you want to serve and they tell you what they want, then you give it to them. But going back to the technical aspects of things, yeah, it helps a ton in building materials to be able to read the building code and understand it, to be able to, especially with the thermal efficiency and ASHRAE 90, all that being part of the code and all that being implemented these days, it helps to have a technical background and know like how to promote your material in that light. Like at my past company, we were selling a product that was a rain screen that was 25 to $30 a square foot. And people are going to balk at that. But what they don't understand is that system allows for improved indoor air quality. And of course that has to be quantified. And also it allows you to replace having to use an integrated continuous insulation system. I'm actually really glad you brought that up because the thing we hear a lot from manufacturers is, well, our product is a little more expensive, but it saves time or it saves money on the back end, or whatever X reason. And dealing with those objections, which is, wasn't really what we're going to talk about necessarily, but it's something you probably have run into in your experience. Is that right? 
That's right. Yes. You have to quantify that. If you're going to tell somebody you're going to save them time, you have to tell them how much time. If you're going to tell them you're going to save them money, how much money? In my opinion, a good salesperson or a good sales leader is going to educate their salespeople in their competition, but also in all of those components that are that are kind of attached to you, right? So for, for rain screens, you have waterproofing, you have weather barriers, you have sealants, you have flashing, you have like trim, all these other players that you know are going to be installed with your product. So you have to understand exactly how much money you're saving your client and you have to properly convey that to them. So don't just say, oh, we're going to save you time. Really? Anyone can say that. How much time? Yeah, it's true. How much money? So for example, in the case of a porcelain rain screen system, you have to say, okay, well, you're saving yourself on an integrated continuous insulation system. Those systems cost anywhere from $10 to $15 a square foot. So if you're not having to do that, then my $25 to $30 a square foot system provides all of those solutions for you. And it's actually going to end up being cheaper than a lower end cladding like stucco, for example. So that is an advantage of having the technical background. But people like me uh, with my background are in every manufacturing company. So maybe sales, marketing and technical should all be talking to bring out like these true sort of technical advantages that each individual product has. That's a really good segue to what we were going to ask you next, because part of the reason we wanted to talk to you is because of your diverse background. And you talked through, you know, you're an engineer, you've worked at multiple manufacturers. So, you know, we know price is incredibly important in building materials and your exposure to those different manufacturers is really giving you this unique vantage point. Could you talk to us a bit about your thoughts on pricing strategies that you've seen manufacturers, maybe that you either have or haven't worked for and like what's working well and some areas of improvement that you might see as well? Going back to who are you serving, right? So most companies in building materials will serve a residential or commercial, and some companies will serve both. So your pricing strategy for residential is going to be different than your pricing strategy for commercial. Typically, it's cheaper for commercial and more expensive for residential, and it's retail for a reason because it takes a lot more work on a manufacturer to sell to a residential customer than to a a commercial customer. But that doesn't mean that you have to price your residential products. So there is a perception that residential products are lower quality, if you will, in a commercial, you know, like, oh, this is a commercial grade because it has to last longer, for example, but yet residential products are more expensive. So what I've seen is large manufacturers will price their residential products lower because the competition is greater and it becomes sort of a race to the bottom. And because the residential contractors are going to be pricing their labor differently, it's just, it's a totally different animal. And, you know, I think that it doesn't have to be that way necessarily. You can, again, even with residential products, you can convey your value properly and price accordingly. And in commercial, you can actually use the residential pricing as a price anchor strategy, right? So price anchoring is when you have like, three different offerings. The middle one is the one you want people to go for. And then the one on, you know, the third one is sort of like the first one plus the second one combined for the same price. And then people just automatically go for your intended offering. And residential pricing versus commercial pricing actually gives your commercial people sort of a price anchoring outcome too. You know, one question I want to ask you, Carolina, is how are you either in your current role 
or in your previous roles, how have you used pricing as a competitive advantage? And I haven't really teed you up for this question, but I'm curious to know, like, are you viewing pricing as a unique value or offering to how you sell differently or how you position the product in any way? First of all, in sales, like you never start with price, right? You kind of close with price. Like I don't start off saying, Hey, uh, this is how much it costs, even in retail. So I think it's really, really going, I'm going to, this is like the fifth time I say this, I think you really have to properly convey the value that you're bringing. To me, pricing is very important because we're all here to make money and to provide value, right? And so of course you got to make a profit, but companies use their profits differently, right? And so going back to properly conveying the value that you offer, each company should sort or the consumer who is now more educated than ever can look into you. They can look into your company. They can look into how much money are you putting into marketing? How much money are you putting into your employees? How much money are you giving back to the community? If at all, where are you manufacturing? What are your manufacturing practices and sustainability and things like that? So pricing on the inside and from the manufacturer's perspective is obviously important because that's what gets you to stay in business, but it's not just cost plus margin or cost plus margin equals profit, right? I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's a great answer. It makes me want to ask you the question. I mean, like I have so many questions now, but it makes me want to ask you, where do you see pricing strategies changing? You've been a part of a couple of different manufacturers. You've seen what works, what doesn't work. Where do you see any change at all from a manufacturing pricing standpoint? Is there more visibility or more transparency or more creativity? Like where do you see the industry as, as a whole either? Where's it going or where do you think it needs to go? Well, I can always tell you where I think it needs to go. I'm very opinionated. <laughs> I've always been very opinionated. You and Beth both. Beth is um, be- <laughs> so waiting. I was waiting for you to say it. Yeah, well, we kind of know what we think, right? I always know what I think. <laughs> yeah, I have an opinion for everything. Good or bad. Um, I think that I think we should stop swimming in a red ocean. People are still doing that. We should stop trying to be a me too kind of a company where like we're like everybody else. We have to, I think, yes, pricing is very important, but you have to get your manufacturing practices as lean as you possibly can while being responsible and then and make the best product that you can. You know, if you're the best product in your sort of little niche area, then in essence, you can price it however you want because people will pay. If you bring that product to the right client at the right time, they're going to buy. They're going to buy. Is that what you guys are doing at Fireclay? So at Fireclay, it's very interesting. We publish all of our pricing. Our residential pricing is on the website and all of our catalogs. Gasp. (laughs) I know. Wait, wait. We need to pause for everybody who just like slammed on their brakes listening while driving or like passed out from sheer shock. Yeah, we, we publish all of our pricing. It is residential, so there is a little bit of a sticker shock. But again, for commercial, it helps me because it's sort of that little price anchoring effect. For commercial, we price by volume. And the beautiful thing is that Fireclay is all handmade to order. And we have 100,000 square foot projects. We can scale handmade, which is amazing in this factory in California. Fireclay also has, they're a B Corp. And that's kind of an interesting, it's like totally not related to price, but maybe it is. Companies like Patagonia, Ben & Jerry's, Athleta, they're companies that have to go through this rigorous certification. So a lot of manufacturers go through, certify their product. We have green and lead and all these other certifications for your product. For my popsicles, I had USDA organic, for example. And you pay for these certifications, but they're really just 
marketing tools. You're proving that you kind of your product does what you say it does. But Fireclay decided they were going to certify the entire company. So they got the B Corp certification, which means their manufacturing practices are super lean, clean, responsible. They give back to their employees. They put people and planet before profit, which is really interesting and where, where I think building materials needs to go to go back to your, you know, where do you think it should go? I think we need to be mindful of our manufacturing practices, where our materials are going to go, how long those things are going to last. And when they don't last, where are they going to go? Like, where are we going to dump them? And that should segue into your pricing. And that story needs to be told when you're telling people how much your product costs. You talked a lot about how pricing portrays your value. And it's really interesting you're saying that in relation to fire clay because they're not saying we're valuable because we're inexpensive. They're saying we're so valuable. We've invested so fully in everything. And that's why our product is able to be the price that it is. We're not just charging a high amount for a designer name, but you're paying more for something that's handmade, that's seen through and through, and that the value of the company is top down. And I think it also relates a bit to what you're saying about like, which we talk a lot about how educated consumers are now. And like a consumer will sniff out a, you are charging me more for just vanity pricing. Like you want me to feel like this is expensive or you want me to feel like I bought this on Etsy. So you're charging me a bit more for it and I won't do it. But for a consumer to get the story behind Fireclay, which just P.S., we could just completely nerd out about how much we love fire clay tile. It's actually chatted about in the Venvio offices because they're super cool and do really cutting edge stuff. And it's probably like on a monthly basis, something from fire clay's Instagram will get shared around because what you guys do is so beautiful and so incredible. Oh, I was watching, I got like watched this video like three times where like some guy was like putting dye. I literally know exactly the video that you're talking about. The hand into the tile. And I was like, this is like therapeutic watching it's him the do most this. Soothing thing to watch in the world. Anybody listening to this needs to go to Fireclay Tile and follow their Instagram. And when you're having a bad day, just go watch the videos of people hand painting tile and filling in all of the little cracks of paint. It's like there are no bad days. It's like those and kitten videos and like everything is fine. <laughs> This has nothing to do with what we're here to talk about. I just needed to fit it into the podcast so that you guys can know we're just literal fans. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh, relatively opinionated there, aren't you? <laughs> I'm we just have kidding. so many followers on Instagrams that, that people that are in San Francisco, just like touristing, will stop at the showroom just to be like, oh, we love your Instagram. Unrelated, not customers. Like, yeah, we're Instagram famous for sure. We have a great marketing team too. And we take great photos and it is, it's a beautiful product. So Carolina, one thing you mentioned a minute ago is about transparency around price for consumer products, right? Like a consumer can go online, they can buy the product, but you're selling to architects, right? Like architects and designers. Is that primarily who you sell to? Yes. Well, they're the ones that spec our product, right? But the ones that we actually sell the quotes to and, and send quotes to, and the ones who request quotes are the installers. Interesting. And so I'm just curious if when you're talking to a designer, architect, or even installer, like, do they find it refreshing that you're just transparent on pricing? Like, I know you may, may provide some like bulk pricing discounts, but are they like, oh, thank God, like you're telling me up front? Because like one thing we've heard in our own research with like the A&D community is like they get frustrated when they can't tell or figure out how much a, a product is going to be before they request a quote or need to get spec'd or something like that. 
are you finding that people find it refreshing? Is I guess my my question to you? Yes. But again, going back to my engineering personality, I'm direct. I don't know how to read between the lines sometimes. I, you know, I lack some of those sort of social cues, if you will. So I just I call it like I see it. I, I just like here, this is what it is. So yes, you wait until they kind of get it. You wait until they see, you kind of build up what your offering is. But yes, of course, give them the price. I was like that at Nietzsche too. So, you know, like with my very, very first job in building materials, this is how much it's going to cost. But I'm only going to tell you how much it's going to cost after I tell you like what you're actually getting. And, you know, what I would always tell my clients is like, I wouldn't be promoting this if I didn't believe in it. And I'm very much a what you see is what you get kind of person. And once a client gets to know me, they see that, you know, I'm authentic. I'm real. Like, I'm not desperate to sell you something. If you're not the right person for the for me or for my company or for my product, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to recommend you to someone else. In fact, and I have, I've sent clients to competitors. I love that. That's really smart. Can you share any mistakes that you see that manufacturers or those in the building product space are, are making around pricing? Like what are they doing? They go, my gosh, they're totally missing it here. I think the number one thing I see is the race to the bottom thing. So especially for commodity products like siding, it's just like, oh, so-and-so lowered their prices. So we got to lower our prices. A race to the bottom means nobody wins. So I think you have to kind of rethink if you have a quote unquote commodity product, think about a way that you can make yourself unique and different because you are, you know, everyone is different. Even, even a salesperson, right? A salesperson promoting a commodity product, that salesperson works for you, right? So what does your client get? They get that salesperson. They get that level of service. Think of a way of standing out, even if it's just the way you go to market or the way you serve your clients, even if your product is literally identical, you can find a way to be different. So I think that's the number one mistake, just being scared and just, oh, we got to lower prices. Well, you're going to go out of business if you keep lowering prices without thinking about it, just being reactionary. And then, and it's really sad, but installers just bidding jobs without doing proper takeoffs, without talking to the manufacturer, without really understanding what it's going to take to do a project. They price their labor just to win because in a lot of projects, the lowest bidder wins the job. But then I can't tell you the number of installers that I know that have gone out of business because they improperly bid their projects. So as a manufacturer, and that affects how we price too, because clients want to know how much it costs for the product to be on the wall or in the project. So your on-the-wall cost involves labor. So it's on you as a manufacturer, if you really want to get into these projects, to educate installers, make them feel comfortable knowing your product, installing your product, and even general contractors too, because general contractors have all of the power in a specification. So yes, and a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times the GCs kind of will not necessarily look down on a designer or an architect, but they may not think that they have sort of a reality check, if you will, for what it takes to install something. So they'll- How dare you? They will. <laughs> they How will just, dare you? They will VE you out. So if they think of a, a cheaper alternative that looks just like what your product is, but it's you know $5 a square foot cheaper, they're going to change the spec. And the architect and designer has like no control over that. So you have to consider- how much your product costs to get installed. And in order for you to do that, you have to really get to know your GCs, your local GCs and your local installers. So you don't just sell to your architect and your designer. You have to sell 
all three pieces. Oh, and of course, developers too, because they're the ones paying the bills. The architect and designer being able to have that conversation with their homeowner customer helps them sell your product as well. We were, I was just talking to one of our clients about this today about how if you can speak to, this is what it costs to get my product installed, you'll actually sell a lot more products because homeowners just have this misconception that they're like, sure, that's how much your product costs, but installation, that's where they get you. I don't know why there's just this perception that installation is like 10x whatever the product is, that that's how they make up for their margin or something. But if you're architect is able to speak to the customer, he's a lot more likely to be able to get the product pushed through, even if it is a bit more expensive, because they feel like they know exactly what they're getting. Yeah. On average, installation is going to be like twice the the material cost or something like that. Labor is going to be always more expensive than material. And yeah, you have to be educated on, and and again, you have to make your 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 material easy to install. You have to like engineering background, right? You have to design for assembly too. You have to design yeah, for installation. So talking to installers and kind of bringing that back to your manufacturing team and saying, hey, you know, go out there and look at how people are using your product and find ways to make that easier and better. And then more people are going to want to buy your product. That's awesome. Carolyn, what advice would you give a manufacturer who's evaluating their pricing strategy? They, they think they have a great product, but they're just not you know, selling as much as they think they could, maybe that there is an issue with how they're pricing things. What advice would you give somebody? What I want to say to all those five questions is talk to your (laughs) damn customer. (laughs) Like, you know, just talk to your customer. Like, don't call it discovery. Don't call it informational interview, but just get to know your clients, get to know your clients, get to know the people who are already buying from you and get a download from them. One thing that I heard a long time ago is if you give somebody a price and they like agree to it right away, your price is wrong. They should be higher, but you have to start somewhere and then kind of iterate from there. Start somewhere, talk to your clients, see how the market's responding and then change, be willing to change. Well, Carolina, this has been awesome. We thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, I know that you actually are a big podcaster yourself. You want to share with our listeners about your podcast as well? Thank you. Yes. Tim Sims of Nichiha and I just launched Build Perspectives. And the podcast is about perspectives and building materials and talking about issues that we think no one's really talking about, bringing sort of outside knowledge into the industry and maybe promoting careers within the industry, people attracting younger talent that wants to get in and, and make a difference. And people who think maybe construction is you know, the younger generations that think construction is bad and, and bad for the environment. Well, there's ways that you can come in and make a difference. So, you know, come on in. This is great. That's awesome. And we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. So if you're interested in subscribing, which I highly encourage you to just go to our show notes and we'll link to that there. But Carolina, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you. You guys are great. I love your show too. Awesome. Well, if you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov. Thanks everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikolov. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.